Welcome to the Urantia Book Radio Podcast. Jim Watkins here. It's good to have you here. And we're going to get some bonus episodes this week just because I have so much good material. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about the thought adjusters because we had a wonderful guest. Jenny Martin was on the last episode and she provided some interesting insight into studies and research going on as as involved with the kinetic energy that our minds and our bodies put off and different frequencies. And, and you know, it doesn't really... I'm trying to re- reference back to if there's any kind of clues on this thing in the Arantia book. And, and I'm not recalling anything, but I, I come from a position that the Arantia book doesn't answer all of our questions. It has to leave some discoveries for us to enjoy. And we have to earn a, a lot of our knowledge. So, you know, I think Jenny brings up some good points. And at the root of all of it is that right now in our world with psychiatry and the health industry being the way that it is, we tend to, at least in the Western part of the world, we tend to quickly go for the medicinal, like a friend of mine told me, it's not about prevention, it's about maintenance. Uh, People in the healthcare industry, they're always good at providing you therapeutics that will make you feel good, but sometimes they don't uh, fix the underlying problem. And with a lot of mental illness, I think there's actually a couple of different kinds of illness. There's mental illness, which is the physiological, whatever the reason is, uh, the brain isn't functioning well. I know people who have greater and lesser intelligence, and there are some people that are impaired by certain things that we don't understand. And then there are people who are emotionally ill, and those are the people that have gone through some kind of or numerous kinds of trauma in their life whether at an age where they quite can't remember what the trauma was, but it left an impact and it impaired that person's emotional ability, perhaps, to bond. I think a lot, I'm suspecting, just from my own experience, is that a lot of people today who are struggling with their identities, uh, it's probably rooted in not getting the affirmation they needed at that time during those crucial five years of their life, either through the absence of a parent or the uh, you know, the, a parent wasn't mature enough to understand that those crucial first few years are important to a person's identity. And I like to believe that a lot of people, as they get older, you know, there's a reference made in the Arantia book when they talk about Jew, Jesus's brother, and how much trouble he caused for the for the family. Always getting himself into trouble. He had a sort of a an eager spirit about him. And if you have, if you're a parent, you you know, you know. You get kids one time um, that they're just, for whatever reason, they have a lot of uh, anxiety and they have a lot of aggression when they're young and they're not able to mature, maturely deal through it. So they become antagonistic. And in today's society, we tend to look at that as a treatable dysfunction. And so we have a lot of people that are taking a lot of medication. I think what Jenny was getting to, and I think what more psychiatrists are getting to, is that there is a spiritual approach that we must utilize. We must have a a multi-pronged approach to dealing with anxiety and sadness and uh, that forlorn feeling of hopelessness. And I think a lot of it is, is spurred on by secularism. 
you know, we threw out the baby with the bathwater. When, when the Urantia correctly identifies that that period from, uh, from the totalitarian rule of the church and the state religion, and this isn't just confined to the West, uh, we still see in Islam there's a very strict adherence to the law and the rules of conduct, and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's overreaching. It can end up in the death penalty if you violate certain religious rules, right? Blasphemy, chief among them. And so in the attempt for modern peoples or enlightened peoples or evolutionary peoples to pull away from that authoritarian grab of the church, they completely threw out the baby with the bathwater. Bath so now we're in a, in, in a third, fourth generation away from the more traditional religious upbringing that many of our ancestors, our grandparents, uh, many people in the 1800s, they learned to read by reading the Bible. It was the most widely distributed pamphlet. And it, uh, Abraham Lincoln learned to read. And along the way, he learned some of those truths that have carried on from generation to generation. And we don't have those truths now. Those truths have been vacated because they come from a so-called patriarchal society, and that's kind of the age that we're in, science has become completely secularized. You know, that was one of the things we were talking about with Jenny, is that science has just become completely, there, there is no adherence given at all to the idea that this vast cosmos could be the result of mindal activity. There is no room left at the table of discussion when we're in science religion is down the hall to the left. It's what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, education uh, has scared off religion. They've, they've chased it away. And so what we're left with is a society now where everything that we learn must come from one source, and that's the source, and religion is completely left out. And so a lot of people, I think, feel hopeless. One of the things that I said to Jenny, and I'll say this numerous times, is the Arantia book provides structure. It's bumper bowling. It provides rails. It, it gives you a, uh, you know, you remember the holodeck? Remember the holodeck on Star Trek? Remember how it's a room, but it's it's got, it's like a hologramic, you can be anywhere you want to, but it's based on rules. It's based on, and we have the same thing with this meta world that, that Zuckerberg is trying to create with with Facebook, is creating this illusionary world, but it still has rules. It still has a, a structure. And I think the Arantia book gives structure. It provides a, an arena where this this life takes place, and the arena is the master universe. But if you talk to an astronomer today or an astrophysicist, they'll just tell you it's, it's all random causation. And that to me, is it goes against, it doesn't even compute. What do you mean the entire universe is random causation? How could that be? And then we suddenly emerge, right? And, and that goes, and materialism and that kind of thinking is very clearly addressed in that last section uh, after Pentecost, I think it's 195, and I refer to it ad nauseum because it really is the only part of the Arantia book that deals with the present secular ideological confusion. And let's not forget 
that secularism is the mother of Marxism, which asserts that the state is the highest ultimate authority, that there is no higher authority. You think Xi Jinping walks around wondering what God thinks he's doing? Of course not. There's not a modicum in his brain, or for that matter, anybody who is part of any kind of a system that asserts that they're the ones in charge. Because in those situations, the ends justify the means. They can, they can blindly kill a bunch of Wagers, billions of people. They can do anything they want to them because they see them as less than human. And, uh, and, and to them, you know, they're just getting in the way of other people being more prosperous. So the ends justify the means. And when you have governments, world governments... You know what? I'm not opposed to this idea of a one-time, in the future, super world government as long as it's headed by people who are spiritually active. I don't want secularists running this world. To them, I'm nothing more than a data point. I have spirit. I have meaning. I have value to this world. And not only to this world... But I'll continue to participate in, in the lives that, that are coming before me. And so we're going to get into that structure that I refer to. Because to anybody who has never read the Arantia book and they dive right in, it's like jumping into the ocean and not knowing where to go. And you don't know what the construct is that you're dealing with. So we're going to get into that. But I do want to share before we do... Just a couple of more quotes that I pulled from the Arantia book on the Thought Adjuster, because I don't believe that Jenny and I got a real chance to get into it. But let me just read to you a couple of quotes that talks about that spirit that's in you, that spirit adjuster, that that fragment. And before we do, let me play this clip from Bill Sadler. It's from, gosh, 1960. He was doing some, there was a study session, I believe it was in Oklahoma City of the Arantia Society of Oklahoma. And this is what he had to say, and it's such a wonderful description. And I'll I'll play this, and then I'll read a couple of quotes, and then we'll go on to my first of a three-part series of Arantia Book for Dummies and sort of my explanation of what paper one of the Arantia Book is all about. But before we do that, let me just share with you some thoughts, some continuing thoughts about the Thought Adjuster. And first up is... Bill Sadler Jr. talking about this very issue that we were talking about with Jenny in the previous podcast. I think the the best way I can think of a thought adjuster is like this. Let this card symbolize God. There's a thought adjuster. It's a piece of God. It's not all of God. But from a qualitative standpoint, it's God's nature, as that little fragment of that card is of the nature of the card. Uh, Very frankly, I don't take up very many problems with God. I'm a little bit abashed. I mean, I'm not in the least afraid of God. He's too big. If he were only about 10% of his size, I could be afraid of him. But he's entirely too big to be afraid of. And I understand intellectually that he's infinite and that he has just as much time for me as if I were the only creature in all existence. This I understand. But I'm a little abashed at taking up his time, nevertheless. 
Uh, but I've got this thought adjuster. And I'm not, I'm not abashed about taking up his time because I am his business. You follow me? Yeah, just a great... He's my partner. It's a great, great... I'm abashed. I like that word, too, abashed. That's a great perspective, isn't it? So let me read to you three paragraphs from the first... I think it's paper 107 of the Arantia book about thought adjusters. Just a continuance of what we started in the previous podcast. To say that a thought adjuster is divine is merely to recognize the nature of origin. It is highly probable that such purity of divinity embraces the essence of the potential of all attributes of deity which can be contained within such a fragment of absolute essence of the universal presence of the eternal and infinite paradise father. There is a characteristic light, a spirit luminosity which accompanies this divine presence and which has become generally associated with thought adjusters. In the universe of Nebadon, this paradise luminosity is widespreadly known as the pilot light, or on your versa, it is called the light of life. On Urantia, this phenomena has been sometimes referred to as that true light which lights every man who comes into the world. Can you realize the true significance of the adjusters indwelling? Do you really fathom what it means to have an absolute fragment of the absolute and infinite deity, the universal Father, indwelling and fusing with your finite mortal natures? When mortal man fuses with an actual fragment of the existential cause of the total cosmos, no limit could ever be placed upon the destiny of such an unprecedented and unimaginable partnership. In eternity, man will discover not only the infinity of the objective deity, but also the unending potentiality of the subjective fragment of the same God. Always will the adjuster be revealing to the mortal personality the wonder of God, and never can this supernal revelation come to an end. For the adjuster is of God and as God to mortal man. Great quote. God is in us. The kingdom of heaven is in you. That's what Jesus meant. It's all right there, the potential. Or what I used to call the perfected being, my future self. Your future self. It's hard to tap into that resource Certainly there's a lot of noise. It takes just a little bit of getting away, finding a spot. Let your guardian angel or your ministering spirit help you find a place. That's what they do. They try to find a place for you so that you can contemplate and find that inner peace that comes with the relationship of embracing and acknowledging the Father. It's, that's what takes religion and makes it personal. So... I'm debating whether we should play a little music. Yeah, maybe we could play a little music. But I want to ex express to you, this is something I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, it's not that long, but it's sort of a primer, uh, if you will. The basic reality, for those who may be unfamiliar with the Arantia book, maybe just getting started, or, or maybe you've read it for a long time. But I wanted to present sort of an overview of what each section of the Arantia book really goes into. 
because the first part is obviously the most complex because it's talking about infinite realities and it's talking about the beginnings of God and the first source and center and all of those different myriads of creatures and personality forms. And it's overwhelming. So I wanted to just condense it. Uh, this isn't a finished statement, but it, it certainly, I think, will aid people in coming to understand why there is a part one, why there is a part two, why there's a part three, and then ultimately why there's a part four. All of these parts are part of the whole, and they each present a reality, a frame of reference, so that you can understand the next part of it. So just as a basic understanding, when you truly read the first three parts of the book, it, it helps to understand the, the massive significance of the bestowal mission of Jesus on our planet. You know, he was the most or is the most important personality in this universe. And so when he bestowed himself on, on earth, that was a significant event. It only happens once. There are other bestowals of other sons. But the significance of a creator son taking up residence on the lowest form of, of what is a spirit potential being as a man, that's pretty significant. And I think it was so significant that the midwayers of this world and perhaps the most highs of Adentia felt someday we have to take his life and we really need to put it in a book form so that, so that not only this world but other worlds can really get to know the life and teachings of Jesus. And they couldn't do that in its maximum presentation unless you had the knowledge of everything else that came before that. I mean, they could have just had part four of the book, and that would have been enough. That would have probably sufficed. But it would it have, but would it have been quantified or qualified by the preceding three chapters, because in order to understand what man is, you have to understand his origins and the purpose of his origins, right? And that's what part three does. It, it gives the, the history of our world leading up to about the time of Christ. And then the first, uh, the first part, which is what I'll get into now, sort of sets the stage the basic reality picture, what I call the guardrails, the structure that you need in order. This is what, what Jenny was alluding to. As people find the truth, they, get, they have that magical moment where they see spirituality. They understand spirituality. But, but what, what's the frame of reference? I mean, you can believe in this spiritual existence, but what's your frame of ref reference? The only thing you have available are the religions of the 20th century. But then now you have the Arantia book, which, which gives you that frame of reference. So let me just make an attempt at sort of giving an overview of what I think of part one, which is the first, what, 37, 38 page, pa papers. Uh, God at one point in eternity observed his own constraints by his existential, uh, existential perfection status. It wasn't enough to be perfect in status. There had to be growth and perfection. And so God, in that far distant time in the infinite past, first divested himself into the Trinity. The first source and center, which is God, brings into existence three co-creators, equal in all aspects except for the reserved powers unique to the Father's nature, he being the first source and center of all things, the qualified absolute, 
and the unqualified absolutes, described as actual, what is, and what could be, potential. So qualified absolute is everything that God has his fingers in at the moment. And then the unqualified absolute becomes everything that, that is yet to be, but has potential. As the first source and center, God the Father experiences his first thought expression word. And this brings into existence God the Son, the second source and center of all personality expression, which makes it necessary for a facilitator. How do these two great co-creators communicate? And that brings in the third source and center, the conjoint actor, God the Spirit, to establish the filial or family relationship, the mutual codependence of these two deities, the Father and the Son. And that is what sponsors the cycle of eternity. And when I say sponsors, that means it sets into motion everything that happens after that theoretical beginning point. From paper 10, section 5, uh, paragraph 2, it reads, The functions of the Paradise Trinity are not simply the sum of the Father's apparent endowment of divinity, plus those specialized attributes that are unique in the personality existence of the, of the Son and the Spirit. The Trinity association of the three paradise deities results in the evolution, eventuation, and deitization of new meanings, values, powers, and capacities for universe revelation, action, and administration. Living associations, human families, social groups, or the Paradise Trinity are not augmented by mere arithmetical summation. The group potential is always far in excess of the simple sum of the attributes of the component individuals. That is the Trinity. That is the reason for the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And now this marks the beginning of Trinity origin personalities that are all explained in the first section of the book, repercussions of Trinity action, including, and this is where it gets interesting, the creation of an expansive family of a high order minded beings who move outward from the central location of all creation. So from, from the Trinity spawns this ex expansive family of high order minded beings who then go out to administer to the potential will creatures that will soon appear on this grand stage once the nebula settle, once the solar orbs settle, once solar systems settle. All of these things are planned ahead of time. Uh, creation expands because the purpose of God ex expands to include living forms, body, with personality, identity, mind, and with ascension growth potential, spirit, just as the trinity of the deities represent mind, matter, and spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Meanwhile, the gods, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, it's the only time they refer to God in plurality. This, this does not equate to what some might perceive as, uh, uh, what's that, uh, pantheism. No, this is relegated to just those three are divesting themselves completely. Every relationship becomes co-creative of other personality or energy identity, responsive to the spiritual and material gravity 
of the Isle of Paradise, which is the Father's material headquarters. Even atoms respond to the same force while encircling its nucleus as do the planets around their mother solar orb. The Trinity provides patterns of growth. New beings come into existence, representatives of the will and the wisdom of the Trinity, ambassadors who serve and instruct the ascending orders of spirit and personality beings. And they come along with names like Trinity Teacher Sons, Master Spirits, the Ancients of Days, the Universal Censors, Divine Counselors, Solitary Messengers. All of these designates portray their function. But each is in possession of will and personality attributes. They are real persons. They serve the will of God. And they exhort his plan, be you perfect, even as I am perfect. Perfection attainment. That is the goal of God and his infinite creation. And we are part of that process. And if you'll indulge me a little bit more, all of these seraphic personalities in existence, those beings who are of spirit origin, really fall under the jurisdiction of the God, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an antecedent in the lives of mortal men and women aided by these faithful guides, but they stem from the third source and center, God the Spirit. God the Son becomes the parent of the sons of God, varying orders which culminate with us at the low end of the spectrum as humans. Mankind is at the lowest end of this sonship of personality beings. Above us are the material sons, the Adam and Eves, the life carrier sons, then still higher, the Verondadec and Lananandec sons. Lucifer, by the way, was a Lananandec son of high order before he fell. And there are still higher teachers of the universe, Melchizedek sons. And then the firstborn of our universe, the bright and morning star, Gabriel. Uh, the What do they call him? The CFO or the COO. Uh, who is the result of the spiritual union of the original Michael son, who we know as Jesus, and his eternal spirit partner, the divine minister, the daughter of the infinite spirit, God the Spirit. Jesus is of the high order of Michael's sons. They are the literal grandsons of God the Father and God the, God the Son. God the Father and God the Son beget these original creator sons. It is the, these creator sons who represent the eternal son's nature and mission who himself represents God's personality in perfect expression as an only begotten son. Creator sons such as the order of Michael are the vital link between mortal man and God the Son and ultimately God the Father. This is why Jesus said, I am the light and the way to eternal life. Jesus even now is the CEO. He's actually the creator of our local area of space referred to as Nebadon, which in its uh, Latin roots means place of the nebula, home of the nebula or neighborhood of the, of the nebula. Lord of our, uh, continuing on, Lord of our local universe, millions of worlds are under his jurisdiction. And that's why it was so significant that he came to our world. He had 10 million worlds to choose from and he chose ours. And these personalities, by the way, have been in existence for trillions of years, much longer than the 14.5 billion years being pegged by science 
is when they say the universe came into creation. They most likely were referring to the creation, which I did a little research on this, when um, when the Andronova Nebula, which is the parent nebula to our sun, had two great periods of disengorgement. And the last one, the final one, before it finally exhausted and settled as its own star years ago. And I think that is what today's scientists are are looking at when they think of, oh, when did our creation, because that's where most of the recent motion has has taken place. So they're seeing the remnants, sort of the residual of that second, you know, disgorgement of Andronova. But it wasn't until about 10 billion years ago that a lot of those stars started to settle. And that's where we get the origins of our own sun, Mamesha. So as you can see, the first part of the book really sort of sets the stage and 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 provides the structure. And I could go on, I wrote a little bit more, but I think you get the the basic picture. And that's what, what part one of the Arantia book is about, sort of explaining God's neighborhood and God's the initial family of spiritual beings and their purposes in setting up and getting things ready for the appearance of the seven super universes of which our super universe of Orvington is one. And they all circle around that central universe of Havona. And that central universe of Havona centers around the Isle of Paradise, the beginning of things. And we're way out at the edge, the periphery, almost at the outer edge of the current grand universe. And there comes into existence in the future the Master Universe. And we'll get into a little bit of that uh, when we pick up on our next episode about parts two and three of the Arantia book. And that's where we'll leave it. And uh, please don't forget my website, UrantiaRadio.net. It is a resource if you're new to the Arantia community or you just want to find out what's going on. I also have a copy of the book which is up there and it's posted so you can read along. Or you can just download the Blue Book from any app store. Until next time, thank you again for stopping by. If you want to reach me, my email address, Radio at gmail.com. Stay safe. We'll talk to you again real soon. The Webb Telescope is nothing less than humanity's next effort to move closer to understanding some of the biggest questions about the origin of our universe. And it's not just the origins of distant stars and galaxies, but it's the story of us, you and me. It can't be said enough that this is a mission for anyone who's ever looked up at the night sky and wonder how we got here.